Have you checked out the Sun Exchange yet? Do it. Their last crowdsourced solar project has already been funded, and they are now working on the Karu Fresh project, which is over 50% sold. It's your opportunity to help provide solar infrastructure for businesses and communities in South Africa while earning Bitcoin at the same time. It's incredibly easy to sign up. Head over to thesunexchange.com backslash progressive Bitcoiner, where you can sign up and receive a free solar cell with your first purchase. If you're a liberal person and the system's broken, like I fought my entire adult life to like fight for things that just tweak the system as it exists. You know, like we're going to increase minimum wage a little bit. We're going to make it a little easier for unions to exist. We're going to pass a law that means you can't discriminate in this way. That All of that is just taking the broken system and just like turning the dials a little bit. And this is an opportunity to actually um, explore a new system that might already start out as more fair. And, and if that's going to happen, we need more progressive and liberal voices within the space, because as Bitcoin starts to take over or become more important, uh, we can't just have conservative and libertarian voices in this space. Welcome to the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast, where we explore the intersection of Bitcoin and progressive issues. I'm your host, Mark Stefani. My guest today is Jason Mayer. Have you ever wanted a book to hand to your left-leaning friend about Bitcoin, but never quite knew what to give them? Well, luckily Jason is writing that book, A Progressive's Case for Bitcoin. This was a wonderful conversation with Jason. I'm really excited for him and his new project. It's gonna be a great resource for all of us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Jason Mayer, thank you so much for joining me on the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast. I'm delighted to have you. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I am a little sad, disheartened that I am the second in line here for your podcast appearances. And somehow Peter McCormick uh, snagged you before I could, despite <laughs> progressive in your desire to to promote Bitcoin. So right. I think it'd be helpful uh, even though the world will will know your name by the, by the time they listen to this episode, uh, sure. it's a little bit more uh, about your background uh, and your story, where you're coming from, and what you do professionally. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I, just to be very clear, I'm very excited about reaching your audience for sure. Um, and and Peter was very gracious to have me on his podcast, and uh, I just had to agree to an exclusive, right? So, uh, and now I get to talk to your people, which is is very exciting. So. Um, you know, the, I can just tell you a little bit, I'm a, I'm a math teacher. I teach uh, at the high school level and I teach all, all levels of high school math. Um, and, uh, you know, my introduction to Bitcoin was relatively recently. It was, um, it was really during the pandemic when we started getting stimulus checks and my best friend just sort of texted me one day and was like, Hey, uh, are you, what are you doing with your STEMI? You're going to get some Bitcoin. And I never thought of it. Never it had never occurred to me that I might do something like that. You know, I, I'm a very risk averse person. And, and so uh, I just had this memory of saying, you know what, this, this guy's the smartest person I know. I'm good friends with him. And if he says it, then I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll get some Bitcoin. And I, I remember logging into some, you know, some account and I got $20 worth of Bitcoin. And that was a huge deal for me. And, and once, 
Once I had twenty dollars, it's 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 actually funny. Like I I said, all right, well now I need to learn everything I can about Bitcoin. So I'm invested, you know. <laughs> and of course, like I, I'm happily waste twenty dollars on takeout that I don't enjoy. But like once I bought twenty dollars worth of Bitcoin, I was like, now I need to learn. Um, and so that that was just sort of the tipping point, you know. I I, I said. I don't know anything about this. I'll I'll buy a little bit and then see see where it goes. Um, and because I'm you know I'm into math and I'm a math teacher, um, that's sort of that, that was the angle that I started with, right? I said, let me just figure out what the technology is doing, what what's the mathematics behind it, what's the computer science behind it. Um, and you know, very first uh, video I watched was from uh, Three Blue One Brown. I don't know if you you know this uh, this. Uh, YouTube channel. It's, it's a great explanation of blockchain. So th at that point, I was just hooked and um, and then continued to learn more. And the more I learned, the more I liked it. So uh, that was my introduction into to Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a very small first step. Why do you think it uh, sparked interest in, in learning more about it as, say, compared to, you know, your, your 401k or any other type of investment that you've had throughout your life? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I mean, I think that, it, um, you know, at the time, it was this sort of thing that, you know, Bitcoin was still kicking around, right? It had been around for a while. Everyone's heard of it. Um, and at that point, I said, all right, well, if it's still around, I'm going to I'm gonna just trust that, you know, there's some pretty smart people behind it and you know, I'll put a little bit of money into it, but I need to learn. I did the same. I do the same thing um, with, you know, my 401k and stuff like that. When I first got a job and I first, you know, got a 401k. Um, you know, you know, I, my background uh, growing up, you know, my family was is working poor. We had, uh, you know, my parents had at least two jobs my whole life, um, and we had no resources in a sense. Like, it was no safety net, um, you know, growing up. So the idea that I would take part of my safety net as an adult, that you know, I, I got very lucky and worked hard to have and invest it into something else. I really needed, I felt the need to really understand it. That's that's true for stocks that I might buy also, but um, Bitcoin is a different world, right? It's like an alien world in terms of investing or thinking of it as a commodity or an asset or a resource. Um, and I was starting from zero, you know? So I think that uh, that was the motivation to dive right in because I said, oh, you know, if I lose this $20, how am I going to go to my wife and say, oh, I made a bad decision with this $20? Um, you know, so I just want to make sure I knew all of the answers to the questions that she might have or, or other friends might have too, so. It sounds like when you first learned about it, it was more an interest in the uh, mathematics and computer science behind it. Yeah. When was it that you realized that there was a lot more implications to Bitcoin than just as a an investment? Was did it map onto your political views in in any uh, way initially, or was that something that developed over time? Yeah, I mean, not at all. I, I think that um, you know, in terms of my political views, um, you know, I'm I'm a progressive person. I'm, I'm definitely consider myself a liberal and and fight for you know all of the values and all of the things that that means for me um I went through the first several weeks months of learning about Bitcoin just learning about the ins and outs and I never at any point did it occur to me that like what I was learning about Bitcoin might contradict my belief system for politics right it was just sort of you know, like I have no love lost for like elected officials necessarily in like Congress or like what Democrats are doing, uh, you know, as governors and senators and things like that. Like, um, so the idea that that Bitcoin might influence sort of the political sphere wasn't something that that really um, 
it really became clear to me until much later on. So the, the very first, like the first sort of stretch of time learning about Bitcoin, it was like, well, what is money? What's the history of money? How do things become money? Uh, it was the technology behind uh, you know, Bitcoin and it was some of the history about Bitcoin um, and just learning as much as I can. And uh, at, at no point did I ever find a conflict within like between the protocol and like how I choose to like vote and, and support policies and live my life, right? There, there was no conflict there. It, it came much later on when I decided, you know, that because I had a conviction in terms of the mathematical side of it, and I, and I kind of believed in it, and I understood that it had this potential to do, um, you know, interesting new things with money. Um, I was, whatever sort of political jargon I was hearing from conservatives or libertarians, I was able to kind of look past that uh, for myself. Um, it wasn't something, it didn't derail me. It, it kind of like, you know, maybe I scrunch my nose or something, but it, it wasn't going to sort of derail my my effort to learn more about Bitcoin. The real uh, diving deep into the policies, politics, and how it intersects with Bitcoin happened when I started to try to orange pill the people that I, that I love and realizing that there's just not as many resources out there. And if I want to point them to resources to learn, I need to be really careful about um, where I point them because I know because I love and care about them that if if they hear sort of <laughs> things that they find offensive or, or um, insensitive or something like that, I might just turn them off from the whole thing because they don't have a conviction to start with. Um, so that, that was really the moment where I started to dive. Well, what are my beliefs? What are my political sort of uh, alignment? And how does that intersect with Bitcoin, both the community and then maybe what, what are the policy implications of that too? So there wasn't necessarily a realization that you had that, hey, this could be uh, help some of the progressive values that I believe in. It was rather as you were trying to talk to your friends and family about Bitcoin, they in turn had concerns about what they've heard in the news that you had to circle back. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, so it's a little bit of both, right? Like certainly um, the conversations that I've had, right? Like I said it to be my goal. Like I'm going to try to orange pill the people that I really care about. Um, and I realized time and again, if Elizabeth Warren had gotten to that person first, uh, then my job was much more difficult. Um, and then it was also the fact that, well, like I can talk to them, but then I, you know, the people I, I hang around with are very curious. They're going to want to do their own research and look into things and read books and stuff. And I just didn't have um, a ton of resources that I felt comfortable giving them. And it certainly wasn't this aha moment where I realized that it didn't come first, right? This uh, this moment where I realized, hey, Bitcoin can help with progressive stuff. It was more of a, you know, it started off more of a defensive thing. Like, hey, you're allowed to like Bitcoin. Like if if you're a liberal, you're allowed to like it and here are the reasons. Um, and then as soon as you start going down that path, you realize that it's, it does, it's more than okay to like it. Like it's important <laughs> to like Bitcoin and support it if you really do care about some of these things. So I want to circle back on the fact that it was the mathematics mm -hmm. that, intrigued you first about Bitcoin. That's almost, it is an advantage. I'm not a mathematician, but I, I could imagine that seeing something that objective, mm. uh, I'm sure mathematicians find truth in the equations and the numbers that they use. In that, in turn, gives you this understanding of something mm -hmm. that us lay folks who can't add two plus two together um, can't come to Bitcoin with. And in turn, there's maybe that additional hurdle where it's more the subjective layers that we need to get over first in order to really appreciate what Bitcoin is. Whereas in a way, you're almost kind of the, the opposite. Do you see it as, as the same way? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what you're saying is like understanding math is a superpower, right? And that's great. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's what yeah. you tell you. That's what you tell your students. Right. Yeah. So as a math teacher, I think that's that's a really great uh, message. Um, I, I mean, it's true. Like, I, I do think that um, and the way I frame this for myself and, and when I reflect back on it is that like if I did not have that conviction about Bitcoin as a technology, as a mathematical thing that exists within our universe, I'm not sure I would have been able to get over my own sort of um, prejudices and biases about the community that exists about Bitcoin. So it, it is fundamentally an important piece of my Bitcoin journey was to have a conviction about it. And that came, for me, it came through mathematics, right? It came from understanding the technology as, as well as I could and understanding that there's something new here and it's exciting and it's important and it, and it can't, um, you know, it's very unlikely to go wrong. Um, but I, I do think that that people who are new to Bitcoin need that conviction. It doesn't necessarily have to come from mathematics, right? Like it, you don't need to understand the computer science or the mathematics necessarily. But you do need to have some conviction to to motivate yourself to learn more about it. It's an incredibly complex beast, and the, every angle you look at it from uh, it makes it look different, and and it influences so many different um, aspects of society, um, and finance, and economics, and politics. That um, you really need to have a conviction if you want to go deep and learn about it. And so, for the people in my life, I you know who might not be math teachers or mathematicians or anything like that. There needs to be that hook that gets them excited. And so, um, you know, I, I'm trying to transcend this. Well, it's okay to like Bitcoin uh, and get it to the point where like, well, if you're a progressive liberal person who cares about, um, you know, people and making the world a better place, and, then Bitcoin is for you. And and hopefully they, you know, um, if I hand them the book that I'm writing, then they will have developed that conviction and then they can learn more um, to continue their journey on their own. Because you, you do see the opposite. I've interacted with people who do not want to be involved with Bitcoin because of these subjective layers. Mm -hmm. And they can perhaps acknowledge that there is something to the technology itself. Right. But they can't get past uh, whom they associate with, with Bitcoin, which is obviously quite unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I see that too. And and my um, and it seems obvious, but the solution in my mind is you're never going to be able to change the minds of, of people who are in Bitcoin already who have come to it from a libertarian or conservative mindset. Uh, what you can do is do as much as you can to increase adoption among people who uh, think about the world like you do. And so I do think that there's a moment here um, in the sort of like downturn bear market we're, we're building right now. Building a community that welcomes um, progressives and liberals into Bitcoin so that there's um, more voices in the space. I think that um, there's a very good chance that Bitcoin becomes global money, um, at the very least, a very fundamental part of the global financial system. And uh, it does not make sense to me to have only sort of one political viewpoint in that conversation. So the, the hope is to increase the, like widen the umbrella, invite more people in, uh, make the space welcoming so people can learn and communicate and talk about uh, Bitcoin and the technologies therein in a way that feels comfortable for them. And if we can get 
there's there has to be some tipping point where now it doesn't become like well there's liberals joining this conservative thing it's just sort of a thing that exists and there's conservatives uh, in the culture and there's liberals in the culture and they might not agree on a lot of the subjective layers uh, above Bitcoin, but they might be able to agree on the protocol level uh, of why Bitcoin is important or useful or uh, a valuable uh, invention. And so you've chosen to help others uh, realize Bitcoin's importance by writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> when did that seed get planted? So um, I, you know, I, I came, I was listening, you know, I was doing the dishes, listening to some podcasts, could, could not tell you what it was. I did look back through my my text messages and my computer to find out the day, right? So like at some point last September, I, I just sort of, it clicked on, you know, it's something dawned, right? The light clicked on and I said, you know, um, there's a lot of people out there who need to learn about Bitcoin and there's just, you know, the book that I would like to hand them doesn't exist, Right. And, you know, this is, you know, in the middle of my school year, right? So I'm a teacher. At the time, I was the head of my department. So I was very busy. And I started just sort of a Google Doc of ideas, right? Bullet points. And I just continued that through as much as I could, as much and thinking about it um, and caring about it as much as I could at the time. Um, and that it just clicked, right? Like if they say, if, if there's a book you want to read and it doesn't exist, then you should go and write it. And I just sort of committed myself to, to making a, a zero to one resource for uh, progressive people who aren't into Bitcoin, just to get them, get them a conviction, get them thinking, all right, well, this is something that's valuable and, and that I can get into. It's, it's not meant to be the last book a person reads. It's, it's kind of meant to be one of the first books that they read and and hopefully gets them from zero to one, right? Uh, they A lot of the people who I've been interacting with, they're just, you know, start off with the assumption that Bitcoin is not for them. Um, you know, it's, it's silly. If they get into the community at all, or they go on Twitter, then they'll realize that, you know, it's not necessarily a welcoming place for, for progressives. And so I just want to counteract that the best that I can. And this was, um, this is how I thought I can do the most, the most good. That zero to one is incredibly challenging <laughs> and you're, you're fighting against a, a lot of issues. And again, those subjective layers and a lot of mainstream media uh, concerns. Have you thought about writing technique or, or a story or metaphors or whatever to be able to bridge that gap, to be able to say, I understand where you're coming from. I understand your concerns, yeah. but hold my hand as I bring you along in this journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's true. So first and foremost, um, I needed to come to grips with the fact that uh, if I decide to write this book, um, then I'm going to probably upset almost everybody on the planet, right? So like, I'm going to upset Bitcoiners who are conservative and libertarian and already into Bitcoin. I'm going to upset, um, you know, my you know, liberals who aren't into Bitcoin because how dare you like support Bitcoin? Um, it's, you know, it's just this horrible thing. So I, I realized from the very beginning that I was setting myself up to like make everybody unhappy, uh, which maybe was a sign that I was doing a good thing. Um, so I, I do think that I go about the book, um, and, and here's why it's important to have a, a progressive, uh, viewpoint. You do hear a lot, um, if you, if you listen to an interview or, um, you know, some sort of podcast or a video on YouTube, you, you're very likely to hear two conservative Bitcoiners 
talk to each other about how much liberals should like it, but they all hate it, right? And that and it, that doesn't help, right? That doesn't help a liberal. Oh, yeah, like, well, if you're saying I should like it, I should like it. It helps to have somebody who has um, some sort of affinity with that group. Because I can speak from my personal experience. The first time that, you know, somebody mentioned, oh, you should, you know, look into Bitcoin and that um, that sense of like, well, it's obviously it's bad for the environment and it's only good, you know, it, it's not good for anything other than like crime or something like that. Like, I remember having those thoughts. You know, I remember being on the treadmill and feeling really proud of myself that I had texted a friend of mine and said, oh, no, this is really horrible for the environment. You realize that? And then getting all of those like happy brain chemicals that I get as like a liberal person when I get to call out somebody who's being like hypocritical about the environment. Like I've been in that in that space, right? And then it's only when you realize that, all right, well, the situation is much more complicated. It's much more nuanced. And we can talk through in that example, like the environmental impact of Bitcoin. And there's real conversations to be had there. But I do think that it develops a little bit of trust with the person when you say, oh, I've been there too. Like, I understand the draw of, of coming to a knee-jerk reaction and saying like, hey, this is bad for the environment and I'm going to just shut it out of my life completely without looking into it anymore because I literally was that person. Um, so if I, can, if I can write a book that has a narrative in it that appreciates that there are challenges and hurdles to get over um, and then bring the reader along uh, for that ride, then that that's the goal. And I hope that my viewpoint is valued, you know, has some value for people going on that journey. So you had sent these text messages to a friend on the treadmill. Yeah. Pre pre-text message to you about the stimmy check. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually, I mean, it's the same friend. I remember literally feeling so self-righteous that I paused my run and stopped the treadmill to write this text message because I was just like so intrigued. So this guy, you know, sent, you know, was like, sort of um, needling me about Bitcoin. Hey, you should look into it, look into it, look into it. And then um, and then I sent these text messages back to him like, oh, look, it's it's bad for the environment. See, look, you know, like... <laughs> Here's a Guardian article. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then uh, it wasn't until later where, you know, he, I mean, you know, thank God, he was just very persistent. So <laughs> I figured, you know, oh, I got like a six hundred dollar stimulus check. I can I can throw twenty dollars at Bitcoin now and and then learn about it um, because yeah, he he did his very best to respond to all of my criticisms too, right? So it was like that's the that was like the first moment. But what's important about that is like I know what happens inside your brain when you come to that conclusion and say like, oh, well, this isn't good, and you're being a hypocrite about the environment. And then I also know what it's like to, to dig a little bit deeper and understand that the situation is much more complicated and nuanced. And there's actually really interesting conversations to have within the space. And so I, I do think that it's valuable to have both sides of that in, in my own journey. Well, perhaps that, uh, that story itself is the introduction to your book. So it would be quite the hook for people who <laughs> would be able to relate to it. Yeah, no, right. And, and, I, and I think that just hearing it from somebody who is a liberal is much more important than hearing it from a conservative who's telling you that liberals should like Bitcoin, um, but they're just not smart enough to get it or something like that. Right? So it's, right. it's, it's much more, uh, hopefully it's more influential. So, yeah. That being said, I was quite impressed to hear Ovik Roy, you know, a conservative commentator working on Romney's campaign, just flat out say this is the most progressive technology that's been in, in decades. And, and to me, that that resonated quite a bit. But like you said, I was already uh, down the rabbit hole and not 
not external to that. So, right. Jason, why don't we actually get into the details of your book here yeah. and tell us about uh, the chapters and what you're focusing on? Yeah, so I, I think that, um, you know, the the very day I decided that I was going to write a book, um, I, I don't think that I believed that I was going to write it on that day, but I definitely, first thing I did was like, well, what are the, what are the chapters? What are the issues uh, that I need to address? So I just laid out, the book's laid out in 10 chapters. Um, the first one is, you know, why write the book? And I think that's a way to, to talk about a little bit about what we've already been discussing in, in this interview. You know, then chapter two is, is sort of like why Bitcoin? And it's just a very quick explanation, um, uh, not technical, um, but just sort of explaining what Bitcoin is and, and why it's it represents a, a new technology for money. Um, and then the rest of the book goes through sort of like item by item, like here are the places um, where Bitcoin is helping right now and has the potential to help in the future with things that, you know, progressive people care about. Um, and I don't know, I can, I'm happy to sort of list the chapters, but, you know, it talks about sort of uh, environment is is number one. I think that's the biggest thing that people really struggle with um, who are not into Bitcoin already. It talks about uh, sort of the cost of U.S. dollar hegemony and sort of the impact that that has had um, both at home and abroad. Um, it talks about uh, Bitcoin and the the potential influence that Bitcoin might have on on war and peace, um, inflation and wealth inequality, um, like Bitcoin and governance and how our our government and how governments in general might interact with and intersect with Bitcoin, um, and a lot of detail about how Bitcoin helps poor marginalized communities and helps people who really need help uh, right now. And of course, we know that work's happening, but. Um, there's there's potential for it to happen even more. Um, and then, uh, you know, I finish up talking about Bitcoin and banks and and really essentially how not necessarily liberal politicians, uh, but liberal people um, can probably appreciate the fact that the banking system is broken and uh, favors uh, the very few and really suppresses a lot of people within, you know, our, our society. Um and then I end the book uh, really with sort of a conclusion and call to action for people who have gotten through the book and have a conviction and are excited about learning more and doing more. Um, so that, that's a very quick outline uh, of what the book is and where, where I'm trying to focus um, my energy um, on those chapters. You're an educator. What skills and lessons as a teacher are you applying to the book, which is in effect um, a means of education? Right. Yeah. And 100%, this is how I view it, right? The book is meant to educate people, um, give them a lens into something that they don't already know. And so one of the biggest components of, of just being a teacher is understanding uh, your students uh, or the other person's uh, zone of proximal development, right? Like you're not going to necessarily be able to teach an algebra student calculus, or you have to understand sort of where they are um, and how do I nudge them a little bit closer to where I want them to be. Um, and so as a teacher, you develop this skill over you know, decades of teaching math, in my example, of, of where is the student and what, what metaphor, what sort of simile, what kind of example can I give that, that nudges them without sort of dumping everything uh, on their lap? 
And I, and I think that I go about the book in that way, which is to say the target audience is completely like your family member, your coworker, who is a liberal, who has told you to your face, like you can't, like they can't support Bitcoin because of what they heard in the news. That's the target audience member. So I'm trying to really pitch the book within that zone of possible development. So that means um, starting from the place to say, A, it's okay to like Bitcoin. It's not as damaging or it's not damaging like you heard. And then go into, well, here's actually all of the good things that it does and all of the potential benefits that it has. Um, and the other the other thing that's important in terms of just being an educator and trying to get through to people is to have um, lots of different examples and a lots of different attack points to get to the same thing, right? There's been a lot of conversations I've had with um, people who I'm trying to talk to Bitcoin with and you know, like argument A just falls flat. They don't care. They don't, you know, they, if I try to talk to them about the environment, it just doesn't resonate with them. But when I talk to them about sort of financial patriarchy and how people um, who are living under authoritarian regimes can use Bitcoin to help themselves and to help their communities, like maybe that resonates. So it's really just like teaching calculus. You can't just have an example. And if the kid doesn't get it, you throw your hands up, right? You just, you have to keep working at it. And it is work. Uh, to say, well, that didn't, okay, I understand, like that, that doesn't resonate for you, but let's talk about this other aspect. And so that's why um, the book is structured like it is, right? If, if you want to read it, I, I recommend that you read it all the way through, um, because the narrative and the, and the different attributes of Bitcoin are woven through a narrative form into those chapters. But if you really only care about like one or two of those things, and you can skip to that chapter too. So having an ability to just reach people with different kinds of examples and different vantage points into what you're trying to teach them is, is really important. Do you spend any time on discussing proof of stake in the rest of the crypto ecosystem? No, no. So I, I think that um, I mean, it's a it's a very valuable argument to have and an important one. Um, I think it's critically important to protect the um, the Bitcoin protocol from attack and from people who are trying to to convert it to proof of stake or suggesting that we should. I think that's absolutely a fundamentally important concept within the space and something that people should be working for and and doing that work. It's not within the zone of proximal development for my audience, right? So I think that it, 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 it's it's not within the scope of the book, right? And so the idea, the premise from the very beginning of the book is I'm trying to get you into Bitcoin. I'm trying to get you to understand its benefits. Um, and it doesn't, you know, and, and very consciously chosen, like I'm, I'm intentional about this. I'm not trying to convince them that they need to to shut out any other like altcoin or proof of stake or anything. I, I do believe that. I, I believe that very um, passionately. It's just not within the scope of the book. So I think that um, it's an opportunity. I'll, I'm happy to talk with anybody in person about that or to discuss it on, on shows like this, but uh, it's just not within the scope of the book. Yeah, let's let's discuss that. Maybe, maybe that'll be on your uh, five-year revision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully the book won't be as needed uh, in five years, but you know, let's get into that. How, when, when you talk to friends and family, how do you frame proof of work versus proof of stake? And well, I heard proof of stake is better for the environment. I'm going to put some of my money in Solana or Ether or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that um, it's, it's very important to understand, um, you know, on that level, that the energy that proof of work uses, and, and that's the a main attack factor, right? The the mo in terms of the people I talk with, 
the the people who bring up proof of stake as an option, it's because of the of the environmental impact, right? This is something, and um, I I just try to to explain as carefully as I can that proof of work is trying to replace a system that already exists and do it in a decentralized way. And in, if you want to take a financial system that exists and do it in a way that's decentralized and trustless and actually does something new, then that takes energy. And the energy consumed or used um, in that effort is not a bug. It's actually a feature. Um, it's actually taking real life resources and devoting it and backing um, a, a scarce commodity that could, could potentially be used as money. And um, that proof of stake um, does not solve that problem in the same way at all. It's just trying to, to um, tackle a different problem. And, and so a lot of people say in the space, it's not unique to me, you know, like oh, proof of stake is just sort of replicating the system that we already have. Um, and, and I do think it's important distinction to make, right? Like you can have a lot of Bitcoin and you do not get to influence a protocol one iota more than somebody who has just a couple of Satoshis, right? Like uh, having a lot of Bitcoin does not give you sort of an undue influence over what Bitcoin does as a monetary mechanism. Um, and that's that's a fundamental flaw of proof of stake. And I think that the real argument there then for people who I'm speaking with is to talk about the value of Bitcoin. Like what is it actually accomplishing with the energy that it's using and why are those things important? Um, and why can we sort of look to the future and see why they will become increasingly important? And, and to really not view, um, you know, option A uses energy, option B uses less. So we have to just do option B um, seems, you know, it's, it's obviously it's not getting to what we really need to get at. So if the goal is to, to convince them that proof of work is important, then you need to convince them why you know, the problems that proof of work solves are, are important. Do you encounter a lot of people simply seeing Bitcoin as an asset, as an investment in why should we give a damn about it? You know, you're just in it to make money. Do you get that a lot? Yeah. And, and, and I think that those are... Um, those are almost sort of easier things to chip away at. I mean, there's a lot of people, I, I, you know, in my personal life, when I'm talking to people about Bitcoin, it's it's people that I know and I care about and I know what motivates them and I know what interests them, right? And there's a lot of people who um, will say, you know, thanks for the tip. Like that seems fine for some people. I'm just not interested in investing my my money in that way. And, um, you know, as if I'm trying to like, hey, you know, what? This, there's a great stock, you should get it, it's called Enron or something. And they're like, oh, no, I'm fine, you know, like, and, you know, it's just, it's interesting conversation to take that, you know, that person and say, I, I know that you think I'm just saying like, hey, there, here's a way to make more dollars. Um, but I'm, I'm fundamentally not doing that. I'm telling you that there is a new system uh, that works better, that works more fairly, more justly, more equitably. Um, and that it, whether or not you're on board, it's going to, in all likelihood, it's going to happen. And I'm trying to get you onto that lifeboat <laughs> um, and and to say, this is not like a stock pick that I'm sending you, or I don't have some inside information about the next sort of like a meme stock. I'm telling you a real systematic fundamental shift in the way that we think about money and the way that we operate with money. And so, um, you know, you you get all sorts of responses as, as you know, and as all of your listeners know, right? Like you got to get through like, well, it's just for like investment. It's just a meme, just tulips, like all of that stuff. You just got to like 
chop through all of that every time you talk with somebody about Bitcoin. Um, and I find it exhilarating and, and exciting in that moment where you can actually start to get them to think, right? Like the moment that I really like is not the moment where they say, oh, okay, where can I buy some, right? Because <laughs> the answer to that is usually like, wait, no, I'm not telling you to buy it right now. You need to learn more about it. The moment that I really like is when I talk to them and then they're about to say something and they stop themselves and they start thinking. And then you can see it in their eyes, just like if I'm in a math classroom, right? Like, okay, you're actually thinking about this now. And now I know I've got you because if you're really thinking about this deeply, um, then, you know, now all of the other dominoes are going to fall. We're going to get you there. That aha moment, has there been a particular characteristic of Bitcoin that seems to resonate the uh, most with people that you've encountered? Or is it pretty mixed? I, I think it's mixed. I think that, like like I said before, Bitcoin has so many different perspectives that if you sort of, it, it, you know, I, I think about it as like an art installation. And when you walk in the gallery, you walk to the different side of the room, it just looks completely different. And so for each person that I deal with, um, it, there's a different thing that resonates. Um, you know, the idea that, you know, there, there's a fixed supply, you know, like 21 million, like that, that's going to get some people, right? The fact that it's censorship resistant, that's going to get some people. The fact that like you can, um, you know, go peer to peer and there's, there's, you know, nothing that can stop a transaction between individual A and individual B uh, gets some people. So it's always, it always seems different. There's nothing, there's not one silver bullet to talk to somebody and say, hey, this is why Bitcoin is, is good. Because there's so many reasons it's good. And the, and each one of those is going to speak to people differently, depending on what they're bringing to the table, what they care about, what are their passions. Um, and so I've really enjoyed the challenge of trying to get to individual people and to make those arguments that resonate. And if one doesn't, I can find another one or we can talk about their concerns. Um, and then uh, the book essentially is an attempt to compile those into one spot <laughs> um, so that, you know, what, whatever kind of progressive you are, whatever kind of liberal you are, like there's now you're, you're holding onto a book that has something in there that's going to hopefully get to you. That's that's the hope. And so your last chapter is a call to action. Can you tell us about what those calls to action are? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the sincere hope is that you read the first nine chapters and you're thinking, all right, I got to do something now, right? And uh, the very first thing that I say is, you know, I'm not telling you to buy uh, you know, Bitcoin in this moment. I'm telling you to keep learning about Bitcoin. So call to action one, 100% is continue your, your journey. And there, there's an appendix with resources that exist for people who, who want to continue that journey. I had a great conversation with somebody. Um, it, this just reminds me, uh, somebody, a colleague in my office, I have a Bitcoin poster up uh, above my desk. So people who can... They walk into my office if they care enough then to notice that they'll they can ask me questions. And you know, I, I mentioned something uh to this person, oh, are you do you invest in Bitcoin? And I kind of made the point, like, okay, well, you know, you don't really know any thoughtful people that have studied Bitcoin for a hundred hours who thinks it's a bad idea. And so this this colleague of mine was like, Oh, so you're telling me I need to buy Bitcoin. And I said, no, I'm telling you, you need to study Bitcoin for a hundred hours. <laughs> and I think like that's call to action one, right? So like chapter 10, uh, keep learning about Bitcoin, um, getting from zero to one, right? Like saying, if, if you own zero Bitcoin right now, like that's the only wrong number. Um, and so I think that, that those two things are symbiotic, right? Once you start buying Bitcoin and learning about it, those things feed off of each other. At least they did for me. 
there's, you know, there's opportunities out there to support politicians who agree and support Bitcoin and also support progressive values. They, they exist. Um, and we should be doing everything we can in terms of, you know, supporting those people, um, volunteering, donating money, whatever we can do to support people who actually have progressive values um, running for office who actually support Bitcoin. And that's at all levels. Um, so there's a component of, of that. And then it's really just a, a fun, it's, it's also a call to action to say, you know, like I, I really sincerely hope that, you know, like my book is not the last one, right? Like <laughs> I, I think that, you know, shows like yours that you're producing, right? This, um, you know, this vehicle for progressive people to learn about Bitcoin, like there just needs to be more of that. And so like the most important call to action is like get involved in the community, like talk with people, go to meetups, like have conversations, even if you don't agree with the people you're talking with, uh, because you won't um, necessarily. There's gonna be a lot of stuff you disagree with um, if you just pick a random Bitcoiner. Um, but to be involved in the community, like make your voice heard um, and make it, you know, you're not going to necessarily change the minds of like, you know, the people who have been in the space since 2013 and think Bitcoin is only for libertarians. That's not the target. The target is to to increase our community and to make sure that the voices that we care about, who care about, you know, uh, people and social justice and and doing, uh, you know, making sure that the most vulnerable in society are protected. Like those are the values that we care about come into Bitcoin, talk about those things, have conversations, um, you know, and and I think those are the most important calls to action that I can possibly think of, right, is to broaden the umbrella, like we've been talking about, so that um, it's no longer just liberals joining a, a conservative thing. It's it's actually just a thing. Have you orange pilled the math department yet? Yeah. Oh, this is my favorite, right? So <laughs> I think, you know, my, yeah, like I had to, I had to tread carefully because, I, you know, for this whole academic year or the past several, I've been head of department. So I needed to be careful about like what I said to people, you know, uh, but I do, I do slip in some things every once in a while, right? So in my weekly um, department meeting agenda, there's always like resources. And, the, and most of the time, I'll link to like a new math teaching article, or here's a good way to teach this topic or something like that. Um, and, and one time I put yeah, just the white paper, Satoshi's white paper, and as like, this is a resource, like, hey, look, we, like, computer scientists have solved the Byzantine generals problem. And that's all I, right? <laughs> like, and I put that in there, and uh, there, there are crickets, nobody responded. I don't know if anybody clicked on it, or they understood. But I do have conversations, um, like I said, with everyone that I care about, right? Um, and so that that involves my colleagues in, in my math department. And, you know, there, there's some really well-intentioned, sincere, like, questions about Bitcoin, right? From thoughtful people who know mathematics and things like that, right? So there, I remember a colleague who absolutely, like, wouldn't consider it. it it's, it's obviously bad. It's deflationary. It's not enough. You know, there's only 21 million. And when um, the moment that clicked for this person was amazing to me because it, it seemed so obvious to me, but it wasn't to him, it was like, it's like, well, it's a problem to have any sort of financial system run on like a finite supply and have only 21 million. You can't run a world economy on that. And when I described to him months later, that like, oh, like it goes to eight decimal places. Um, and 
it, it could actually be programmed to go to more decimal places if we need to, right? <laughs> so like it's a one uh, 100 million, uh, but we can do more if we need to. And that all of a sudden is, oh, well, I didn't know that. But like, if that's true, then like all of my concerns, <laughs> like all of those concerns. <laughs> I'm all in now. <laughs> Just get a YOLO in. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, it's amazing, like the thing that like gets, you know, like triggers that light bulb for different people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. So two years from now, you're on a book tour and you're, you're autographing your books. Mm -hmm. What does success look like for you with this book? Yeah, that's a, that's a question I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I think that the best case scenario in terms of success for the book is that it reaches people, right? I get, I get this book into the hands of people who need it who can um, grow the progressive sort of community within Bitcoin. You know, in all honesty, like um, if I felt that I was smart enough to do all of this anonymously and sort of like have like a, a you know, a, a black silhouette, um, I would. Like I'm not uh, craving any sort of uh, attention other than getting people um, orange pilled. I, I think that success uh, really looks like to me that I go out, I, I get the book into the hands of people and and that book inspires people to join the community and do their own work. I, I think that's the ultimate form of success for me is to say, oh, well, here's a resource. Here's a person out there who really cares about both of these things, right? Like uh, liberal ideology and Bitcoin together. And then that inspires them to to do something that that is within their skill set. You know, I love uh, you know, I was, you know, this is a conversation I have with my wife, right? Like, I love my job. I love teaching math and I've wanted to do that for the rest of my life. So really success means that I get to orange pill a lot of people and I still get to keep my day job that I really like. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm happy to go on a book tour and I might already uh, have my sabbatical request, like, you know, <laughs> written up. Um, but I, I'm not looking to to necessarily transition away from from the thing that I've built my career about or that I really love. I love working with um, students, teaching them mathematics, slipping in stuff about Bitcoin when it makes sense to do that. Um, but yeah, that's what success looks like for me. It's, it's that people uh, use the book um, and are motivated by the book to do their own thing. Um, and then I still get to teach math also. <laughs> so, who knows? That's a... An interesting thing, I think, to to, to bring up. Mm -hmm. How have your students responded? Yeah, and do you, do you see any uh, interest or concerns with Bitcoin that differ from your demographic and age? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's been amazing in terms of just having conversations with my students, right? So um, I try not to talk about it a lot, but certainly at this point, like, you know, for the past sort of academic year, anybody who I taught knows that um, I'm willing to talk about Bitcoin um, if if you have questions. Um, I became this past year, like the faculty advisor to the crypto club because the Bitcoin club got um, turned down because it was too specific. So they accepted a crypto club and they don't have any idea that I'm just secretly making it a Bitcoin club. Uh, behind the scenes and like, you know, so, uh, like so I'm the faculty advisor <laughs> of the crypto club, but I promise your listeners, it's all, it's Bitcoin. It just, I need to label it crypto to get it approved by, you know, the system. Always a loophole. Yeah. So like my students, you know, are like ask questions and are excited uh, about asking questions. They have a lot of the same misconceptions and the same assumptions that people my age have, right? Like we, we like to think of teenagers as, oh, well, they're digitally native and they know a lot about technology. And like, 
they, you know, they Venmo each other. So obviously like Bitcoin is not a big step. It really is. Like they, they ask the same exact, well, how do you know it's real? Like there's nothing backing it, you know, like all of these things that like, you know, a 50 year old who's new to Bitcoin might ask, um, they're asking. And, and I'm just happy. I spent one day um, answering any questions that they had. Right. So we, we scrapped the lesson plan for that day. We asked, you know, they got to ask any questions they want, right? And it is just like a nice moment, right? Because there's one, you know, one or two kids in the room who actually know some things, right? And like, well, mining is a way to get more Bitcoin. And I was like, wait, hold on, like mining is actually a way to protect the network, you know? Like, let's think, like, let's think about how we're working, you know, we're wording this stuff. So we had a great conversation, um, and uh, you know, the other thing, I, I do coach one of the sports teams and and they love talking to me about Bitcoin on the bus when I'm taking the games and stuff, right? Because they're, uh, they have a, a lot of different viewpoints about that. Um, and I remember one time, one of the players on my team was like, you know, you know that we check the Bitcoin price every day to find out what kind of mood you're going to be in and whether or not we can joke with you or we have to like, <laughs> <level up. laughs> and, and I, it was a great moment. So I was like, I want you to understand that like the Bitcoin price does not bother me. So if, even if it tanks, you can still joke yeah. with me or whatever. <laughs> and you said, what's the Bitcoin price? I haven't checked it. In yeah, months. exactly. I mean, you know, I, I wish that were true. If, you, if you're looking, if, if you're listening to this and you're looking for a way to stop checking the Bitcoin price, then start writing a book because um, I only have a finite number of hours a day I can do it to vote to Bitcoin. And right now they're all centered around the book. I don't get to check the price as much, which I think is good. <laughs> well, Jason, any final thoughts that you want to send off with our listeners? No, I mean, I think we covered a lot. And I, and I do think that um, there, there's just... Yeah, I just want to reiterate, there's a real opportunity here to get people who are not into Bitcoin right now into Bitcoin. Um, you know, I don't readily see an opportunity to change people's minds if they're already sort of from this like entrenched state within the Bitcoin community. But there's a lot of people out there right now who recognize that the systems that we have are broken. Um, they disadvantage most people. Um, they disadvantage the most vulnerable people within our societies and they feel right like there's a lot of people out there who feel that the system is not working um and and of course as bitcoiners we know that i just think that they don't necessarily have the vocabulary or the full understanding of, of really how broken it is or the specific ways in which our financial political systems really uh, work to suppress ordinary people who are working really hard. I think there's a lot of like intuition that that's happening, but not really a lot of concrete understanding about how and why. So Bitcoin is an absolutely uh, fabulous uh, way to learn more about that. So we need to go out and reach those people. You're doing great work with your podcast. Um, I'm hoping that the book resonates with people who fit that category. They know that the, they know that the current system is wrong, uh, but they don't know how to fix it. And I think that, you know, one of the analogies that I put in the book is like, if you're a liberal person and the system's broken, like I fought my entire adult life to like fight for things that just tweak the system as it exists. You know, like we're going to increase minimum wage a little bit. We're going to make it a little easier for unions to exist. We're going to pass a law that means you can't discriminate in this way. That all of that is just taking the broken system and just like turning the dials a little bit. And this is an opportunity to actually um, explore a new system that might already start out as more fair. And, and if that's going to happen, we need more progressive and liberal voices within the space, because as Bitcoin starts to take over or become more important, 
uh, we can't just have conservative and libertarian voices in the space. So that's that's my hope, um, and that's just sort of how I'm thinking about it. Beautiful. I, and I agree that is a huge hurdle for people to overcome the understanding that there's a different way of approaching uh, problems. And for so long, we've just thought of that as changing laws, getting new politicians. Mm -hmm. But I try to remind people, we're the quote-unquote party of grassroots efforts, of, yes. of community efforts, of forming these things and fighting for it from the ground up. Yeah. And Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the most grassroots effort I've seen in my lifetime. For sure. For sure. And, you know, just to just to, you know, go further to that point is, you know, like, you know, I've worked very hard. I've voted very carefully. I've supported specific policies and politicians like like I said, my entire adult life. And um, I've never actually believed in my heart of hearts that it was actually good. I was never going to like achieve the thing. Right. It was always going to be like a lifelong thing that you're working for. Like success wasn't really an option. It was just to make things a little bit less miserable or a little bit less unfair. And Bitcoin was the first moment where I realized like, hey, like I actually have a lot of a lot of hope um, that we can make things systematically better. Um, and and so, like, I just want to pass that along to as many people as I can, because that hope is important. Absolutely. I've, I've said this before, but voting is necessary, but not sufficient. Protesting is necessary, but not sufficient to change. And sometimes we just need a new system. And Bitcoin is that new system. Jason, you're doing a Kickstarter for your book. Please tell the listeners more about that. Yeah, so um, the Kickstarter exists. Um, I'd be very happy to, to uh, receive as much support as people are willing to give. Uh, by going to the Kickstarter, you can pre-order the book. Um, and that helps me support, helps support me in getting the book off the ground, uh, getting it typeset, making it look professional, getting it out to the hands of people. So um, I just encourage uh, if people are interested in this idea and sort of, you know, expanding Bitcoin's reach in this way to go to the Kickstarter, uh, uh, pre-order the book so you can be one of the first ones to get it. There's other levels. So there's a level on which you can buy a book for yourself and a book for a sitting U.S. senator. Um, and I'll just autograph and send a message to each one of those. Um, so you get your own copy. And then um, somebody on the Democratic side who's in the U.S. Senate right now will get the other. Um, and there's there's other levels too, depending on your ability to support the project. But um, if you want to uh, get a hold of that Kickstarter, then, um, the, you know, I'll have the link uh, pinned on my on my Twitter account. And so I just encourage people to to go uh, there and then to support the Kickstarter if they're interested and, and they're able. Hey, Rookie, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, it's at C Jason Mayer. Uh, uh, last name is M-A-I-E-R. And uh, I'll have, you know, that's a great place to go to follow um, you know, my progress with the book and my thinking about the book and sort of like, what are the underlying uh, philosophy and, and policy things that I really care about that are going to go into the book. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, I obviously am thrilled that you're doing this. I'm glad that you're taking this time and effort. And obviously, uh, as you alluded to, it's not necessarily something that's been done lightly. Uh, it's a lot more than just putting pen to paper. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful that you're doing this. I know it will be well received and I can't wait to promote it when it comes out. So again, Jason, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me on the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's been, a, it's been a real pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, don't forget to visit sunexchange.com backslash Progressive Bitcoiner to buy solar cells that will power the projects that inspire you. You'll earn monthly Bitcoin payments for 20 years from the clean energy your solar cells generate. And the organizations you power gain access to affordable, reliable, clean energy. 
With Sun Exchange, you can easily earn Bitcoin and make a positive impact on the planet. Progressive Bitcoin listeners get a free solar cell with their first purchase. So get started at sunexchange.com backslash progressive Bitcoiner. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Progressive Bitcoiner. If you enjoyed the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts and please leave a review. And don't forget, we have a website, theprogressivebitcoiner.com, where we have a lot of great content on Bitcoin and progressive issues. Thanks again for tuning in.